thank our brother Prosper Torku for preaching last week while we were gone to the Eastern Christian Conference. Uh, appreciate him so much, and uh, Victoria as well. I know that you're blessed by his message on sowing and reaping. Uh, how we choose to live our lives every day is, is so critical, so important, whether we believe it or not. Because what a man sows, he shall also reap. And if we sow to the things of the Spirit, then we will reap the things that the Spirit produces. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap what the flesh produces. If we spend our time, our energy, our resources on selfish goals and dreams, then we will have no eternal reward. But if we put God first and we live in a way that honors Him and shares His love with the people around us, then there's a great reward waiting for us. He will bless us both in this life and in the life to come. Jesus put it this way, didn't he? He said it really simply. He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So our job is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's pray together as we go to the word together today. Uh, Father, we thank you for your love that has made all things possible. We come to this moment when we open your word together so that we could hear from you. Uh, Lord, you have been placing this message on my heart, and, and I pray that I would share it in a way that would not in any way uh, be an obstacle to what your spirit wants to say to our hearts today but that you would uh, somehow use me uh, as a vessel through whom you can deliver a message. Uh, in humility, Lord, I acknowledge that uh, there is nothing good that I could say, but you have a lot to say that is well worth uh, our listening. And I pray that our hearts will be open to you today. May your spirit speak to each of us in these moments together. In Jesus' name, amen. You remember, uh, as we started this series, that money is not the object of the series. It's more than money we want to talk about. This is a stewardship series, per se. But uh, just to check on you for a moment, these little signs all around the walls, M-T-M-S-D-A-W, what do they mean? What? Seven days a week. Okay, that's the part I want to make sure you get. Seven days a week. This is a 24-7 pursuit that we're after here. This morning we want to continue this theme. Stewardship is about a lot more than just our money. You remember money is not an evil thing. Uh, it is uh, amoral. It has no morality of its own. And some people want to misquote the Bible saying that, that money is the root of all kinds of evil, but it's not. What the Bible says, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he says it is the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. So life is much more than money. And we need to learn a lot more about life than just how to properly handle our money, our finances. Life is about our time. We'll spend a good bit of time talking about that today. Life is about our abilities. It's about the opportunities that each of us may have, that God may present to us, that he may give us, that he may loan us as stewards. We use what he gives us for a period of time, and then we give it back to him. So let's talk about some of these things this morning. What are we doing with our time? What are we trying to accomplish day after day with the space of time given us? What are we doing with the abilities that God has given us, our talents, our skills, uh, some of our interests, some of those abilities? 
What are we doing with the opportunities that God loans to us to honor him and to show the people around us uh, his love? In short, what are we doing with our daily lives? Now, the Apostle Paul took a young man named Timothy under his wing. And Timothy was this young disciple of Jesus. He had some abilities. He had been given the gift of, of preaching, of sharing the word of God. And so Paul's working with him, and he's writing these letters to him that we have now in our New Testaments, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And in that first letter, he's finishing up with kind of his, his final points he wants to get across as this young preacher is being mentored, as he's being coached in what to share with his congregation and how to nurture them, disciple them in their faith. And I want you to remember this phrase that we introduced two weeks ago. He says, teach them to take hold of the life that is truly life. Maybe you remember that. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's go back and let's see the context in which Paul said that to Timothy. And for that, we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 17 to 19 together. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, Paul has some specific things to say here to the rich people in Timothy's congregation, which was a congregation in Ephesus. First of all, he says, do not be arrogant. Do not be proud. Do not... Puff yourself up because you have money, because you have material things and money. You could just as easily be a poor person, Paul wants them to know. You could just as easily be destitute and begging out on the street. So do not think that you're more important than other people simply because you have wealth that they do not. Having little or much of the world's goods doesn't make you good or bad. It's just a fact. It's just a consequence, maybe, of some of your actions, or maybe it's something you're totally undeserving of. But it's just your position. It's where you are. So don't puff yourself up about that. Don't let your money and your material possessions go to your head, first of all. Secondly, he says, do not put your hope in that money. Do not put your hope in your wealth or your material goods because it cannot be trusted. It cannot save you. It is uncertain. Paul says. You can't count on it. You shouldn't put your confidence in it. Instead, your only hope should be in God. Your only hope should be in Jesus Christ. It is God alone, he says, that we have to thank for any good thing that we have. In fact, James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father, from our Heavenly Father. So Paul knew by his own experience that this was true. He learned in his life that sometimes he had a lot, sometimes he had very little. But what really mattered was the relationship we had with God, not the relationship he had with money. He told the Philippians, he says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. There it is. The most important thing is to remember your relationship with Jesus Christ. So Timothy is to tell his richer members, he says, don't get arrogant about your wealth and don't put your confidence in it. Don't, don't put your trust in that. Remember that the only one worthy of our hope, the only one worthy of our confidence is the Lord himself. It's not our paycheck. It's not our bank account. It's not our fine house or our fine car. It's not our 401k. It's not anything of this world. And our confidence must be in Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? Well, next Paul tells Timothy to say something else to these rich people of his church. He says, do good. Want to focus on something? Do good. In fact, be rich in your good deeds. You want to show your wealth? Show it by the way you treat other people, by the good deeds you do. Focus your life on doing good for others, not just building up your own storehouses. You remember Jesus talking about a rich man. Jesus wrote in, uh, said in Luke 12, and we find this parable about this rich fool, it's called. And Jesus said this man had a, a, a bunch of good crops. In fact, they produced so well year after year, that eventually he said, what am I going to do? How can I keep track of all this stuff? The only way I could possibly deal with this abundance is to build bigger barns. So he tears down his barns, he builds bigger ones, and he starts stuffing all the abundance into these barns. And he says to himself, you have plenty of good things now. You have them laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He's congratulating himself for the abundance that God has blessed him with. And then Jesus said, but God said to this man, you're a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then he summarizes, says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Paul is encouraging Timothy to tell the rich people of his church, be rich in your good deeds. Don't worry about your money. That abundance... What is that abundance? What is its purpose? Why does God bless you with more than you actually need? Why do some people barely exist and some people have so much they don't know what to do with it all? God blesses us so that we can be a blessing for someone else. When you reach a time in your life when you get that promotion, you get a bigger paycheck than you're used to. Or maybe you get this big bonus at the end of the year. Or maybe some windfall happens. You get an inheritance, let's say. Or maybe somehow you get a bunch of money that you didn't have before. You could still live on what you had before. What do you do with the abundance? Most people, what do they do? They go buy a bigger house. They go spend a bunch of money making this fabulous trip. Or they, they put a whole bunch of money into retirement so they could coast all the way through no matter how long they live. And they think of themselves. And God says, if you do that, you're a fool. Because the reason I have blessed you, the reason I have shared with you this bounty, the reason I've given an abundance is so that you can be a blessing in the life of others. Be rich in your good deeds that you can do for other people. Then just to make sure they got it, Paul basically repeats himself. Timothy, tell those rich people, fourthly, be generous. Be willing to share. Spread your wealth. Use it to bless others. It's not all meant for you anyhow. 
Use your resources to serve others and to glorify God. God blesses people so that they can be a blessing for others. And then by way of summary, Paul says two things. Here's the realities. If you, if you follow through on this, if you do these things, first of all, you will build up a firm foundation for yourself. You will build up a firm foundation for heaven and, and for eternity. Jesus, in fact, said, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says, if you do these things, take hold of the life that is truly life. That's how you do it. You don't worry about your personal wealth. You don't worry about your personal uh, needs. You think about how you can be rich in good deeds and you can share with others and you can be generous and you can help the people around you. And then you will have taken hold of the life that is truly life. Now, how many rich people get this? How many rich people understand this? Not very many. That's why Paul had to say to Timothy, make sure the rich people of your church know this. But before we are too quick to judge those rich people, (laughs) but you think about something, you and I are those rich people, aren't we? You and I are the people that are living in abundance. Now, we may not have a great abundance of money. We may not, may not be as rich as someone else. But think about it for just a minute and you'll realize that you and I have far more than most people of this world. Americans still near the top of every list. Average income. What, what is the gross national product? What is, what is all, all the, the facts and statistics of these graphs? America is still near the top. It's either number one, it's at least in the top ten out of several hundred nations. I looked at some of those lists this week and I thought, wow, look look at the difference. We make 30 times more than the country that's on number 30 in the list. You go all the way to the bottom and we're making 100 times more than a lot of people in this world and we're living lavish lifestyles. I remember when I was growing up, when I first realized uh, how how close we were in finances as a family. Now, we've always been middle class, probably lower middle class a lot of that time. Um, Jane and I have always been middle class. We've always had to be careful about how we spent our money so we could make it, but we have lived very well. As a young child, I was probably eight or nine years old, we made a trip from Indiana to Florida. We were on vacation, and I had no idea that mom and dad really couldn't afford that trip, but they were going to take us three kids to Florida. So we get down there, and we're traveling through the Everglades, and I see these little Indian outposts, these little settlements, you know, and they got these fabulous signs saying, watch the Indian wrestle an alligator. Boy, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I'm begging and begging, please stop. I want to see the Indian wrestle an alligator. And my dad stopped. And a choice was made that they would do that, but only mom and I got tickets and went inside. My brother, my sister, my dad sat out in the car while we went inside. And I never thought anything about that. That just mom and I are interested, I guess. So we went in and we watched a guy that it's already missing a couple fingers from previously, right? <laughs> you know, he's he's missing a couple of digits because he'd been wrestling alligators for a while. He lost a few, but it was really fascinating. I was so excited about it. It was only later I realized. Why did only the two of us went? Because that's all mom and dad could afford. We went to Florida on a shoestring. (laughs) We didn't have the money for that trip, but somehow they wanted to give that to us, and so we made that trip. That was the first time I remember mom and dad scrimping and saving. They did it all the time in order to make ends meet. But you've got to remember this. We did go to Florida. We did make that trip. 
We did live in a nice house, and we drove two nice cars, and we had food on our table. We never had our utilities cut off. And I don't remember ever going through a real hardship time growing up because my parents couldn't make ends meet. God blessed us far beyond what we deserved. And we are part of those rich people. And so I need to pay attention. I am a rich person today. And I need to pay attention to what the Word of God is saying to me. To take this message to heart. That I am supposed to not put my trust in wealth. And I'm not supposed to be arrogant about how I have more than someone else. Or to look down on the person that is living homeless today. Or the person that is struggling to make ends meet and they're making foolish decisions. And I'm thinking, why don't you learn better than that? Why are you having your utilities cut off? Why are you going through this trial and I I become proud? Or where I don't remember that the abundance of my life is not meant for me. It's meant for the people around me. It's meant so that I can be a blessing to someone else. All these lessons we need to learn. Because only then can we take hold of the life that is truly life. The message that Paul gave to Timothy to give to his congregation is about more than money, though, isn't it? It's not just about their money. Seven days a week, it's more than money. Life that is truly life is not about money or material possessions. Life is about life. Life is about living. How you spend the moments of your day, the hours of your day, the weeks of your life. Life is about living with other people and noticing what they're going through. Life is about selflessness. Life is about compassion. Life is about considering the needs of others more important than our own. Life is about loving our neighbors at least as much as we love ourselves. Life that is truly life is about showing God's love to others because He first loved us. Life is about reaching out to the people around us with the love of Jesus so that they too can be forgiven and they too can inherit eternal life, which is so much better than anything they'd ever know here. Colossians 4.5 says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Ephesians follows that very much. Ephesians 5.15, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. We have a saying, time is short. Paul said it more emphatically than that. He said the days are evil. (laughs) That's pretty, pretty strong. The days are evil. What he was saying was, Time is our enemy. Time is something you've got to be careful. You've got to manage this. You've got to be a good steward of it. Because there's less and less of it every day. It's slipping away. You only have so much in your lifetime to to enjoy, to, to use to God's glory. So as time is the enemy, as time and the days are evil, Paul was saying you've got to be really careful. The days are actually growing more and more evil. Wickedness is taking over more and more. People are are growing less responsive to God. And so the followers of Christ must make the most of every opportunity given them to tell others about Jesus before it's too late. There will be a time that it stops. How many will we have shared Jesus with by then? Time. 
Time is called the great equalizer. All of us are given the same seven days in a week, 24 hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour, 60 seconds in a minute. And there's no distinction between the rich and the poor, between the black and the white, between the American and the non-American. No distinction. This is the one thing that all of us have the same amount of. But the one thing we don't use as well as someone might. Do we understand? Do we understand how to use time? The difference in what we do with the time is basically two. How much do we accomplish in the space of time given to us? And what do we do during that time? What do we focus that time on? That's the only distinction. How much do we get accomplished and what do we do? How wise are we in the choices we make concerning what we do with the time? Now, we all understand there's a vast difference between the person who works very hard to accomplish their goals and dreams, and, you know, they're always at it, they're always at the grindstone doing all that they can, and there's another person that lounges around on a couch watching TV all day. We understand that difference, don't we? We also understand the difference between the person who busily builds up his own little wealth, you know, builds up his own little kingdom, builds up his own resources, and and the fortune, and the person who works hard to serve God and to share God's love with other people and meets the needs of people around them. We understand that difference, don't we? But do we understand that if we only take care of ourselves and our family and our friends, that we have missed, they've forfeited the life that is truly life? Because the Bible says the life that is truly life is not about you. It's not even about your family. Although, you know, you take care of yourself, you take care of your family, you do what you can there. Life that is truly life goes beyond you, goes beyond your own needs, goes beyond your own little world and looks into the world of the people around you that are struggling and hurting and hopeless and and needing a Savior whose name is Jesus. How are you spending your time? Let me show you something here this morning. Some of you have seen something like this before, but maybe not exactly this way. All of us have a life that we live. It's represented by this beautiful little jar right there. And all of us have something we can do with that life, but it's a lot of needs in life. A lot of things we must do. These are the things you can't avoid. you got to eat, you got to sleep, you got to work, you got to provide for your family. And it takes a certain amount of your life. That's, that's it. That's as much as you could probably say it is. It's not quite half, but it's quite a bit of life. And then we have another part of our life of the things that we choose to do, things we want to do. And so we try and add those into our time as well. And so they start filling up different things of our life. Now we've got these other things added. There's still a little bit of space left there. And God speaks into our life. And God says, there's some big things I want you to do with your life. I want you to do the important things. We might call them the spiritual things. We might call them the eternal things. We might call them the things that that not only address the needs of today, but also speak into eternity. These are pretty big things. And so now we try to start putting those in. And it becomes kind of difficult to get much of that in there because we've already filled up the rest with these other things. It's, uh, I know these are important, God, but my life's already full. What am I going to do about that? 
we'll go in there. That's our life, isn't it? Is that the life that is truly life? I don't think so. There's something wrong with this picture. It's something wrong with it. We're kind of out of sync. We're not able to, to really achieve what God has in mind for our life because we started wrong and we added all these other things first and now we get to the big stuff and there's no room for the big stuff. And what really complicates it is we get this idea we have this really big jar. We can cram as much as we want into it and really the jar is not quite as big as that. It might even be smaller than that. And so what do we do? How, how do we address that? How do we, how do we grab the life that is truly life? What God says what's important has to be important to me. It would be prayer. It would be Bible study. The things that are going to draw me close to God and help me know God. And I want to be in relationship with God. And I want to be growing in that relationship. And I want to be extending and exercising and strengthening and expanding my faith in Jesus. It would be things like being generous to others and, and showing his love to other people. And God says these are really important things. Better make sure you put those in there first. Because if you don't, it's not going to happen. So we add things like that. And, and we start sharing our faith with others. And we pray every day. And, and we're really careful that, that what God says is important, they really are important to us. We add all these things in our lives. We've got to find the things that actually fit in this jar. I don't think that one's going to go down in there. But these things that God has go in first. And somebody would say, well, now wait a minute. This isn't right to start here because there are needs. And those needs are very important. In fact, I would say they're more important. I've got to eat. I've got to provide for my family. I've got to go to work. I've got to have a roof over my head. I have all these needs in my life. Why don't I put those in first? Because God says these are more important. These are first. We've got it all wrong if we think even our own needs. Jesus said man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The most important thing is what God wants. The most important thing is to draw close to God, even if it's in your dying breath because you, you, you ran out of food. You ran out of air. The most important thing is to share his love with other people because that's what Jesus did. He gave his life so that other people would know his love. So the first thing is the big things. Then we can approach some of those needs of life. And how do they go in? Well, they still go in pretty good. They fit in around all this other stuff. And we can meet those needs. Uh-oh, now we're getting near the top. We're getting near the top. There's not a lot of room left over for all those things I want to do. I... I want to watch TV. I want to go to the movies. <laughs> I want to play video games. and I want to hang out with my friends. And I want to go out to eat. And, and I want to go on these nice trips. And uh, there's a whole bunch of things that fit in this area of my life. But now, not so much room is left. So, need to be more careful. Oh. Okay, that's a good one. I think I'll do that. I think there's room for that. Let's see. Uh-oh. I'm running out. But you see, the way you handled this was the best things, the most important things went in first. The needs are still met. And there's still some fun. <laughs> there's still some good things to be done. 
Do you see how there's plenty of things, plenty of room for what God wants to do if you put Him in first? But there's never room if you put Him in last. Do you get the point? And the reason I wanted to put this in front of you, even though you've seen something like this before, you've heard about it before, is because I want you to have this visual picture that this is our life. And this is the life that is truly life. And every one of us has to learn this. I don't care whether you're poor, middle class, rich. Every one of us has to learn this, that the big things go in first. Then the needs are met. And then there's a little bit of breathing room. Because God gives us all things for our enjoyment. He really wants us to enjoy life. But He wants us to remember first our relationship with Him and the love that He wants us to express to the people around us. If we don't have time for the things of God and the work of God, then it's because we have filled up our lives with things that we have to do and the things that we want to do. And there's no room left for Him. So, Thanksgiving is four days away. It's kind of fitting that this message came four days before Thanksgiving because this is a time, a time of soul-searching for us, a time for us as a congregation, it's a time for us as individuals to think about where we are. God has blessed us beyond what we deserved. God has given to us over and over again. Sometimes He's given much more than we actually needed. We could live with much less than we do. That's the truth. Now, is abundance what we use for God to bless others, to love others? From now until Thursday, I want to encourage you to take some time to evaluate where you are, how you're spending your time. Are we making the most of every opportunity he gives us? Are we making the most of every opportunity we have to go closer to God? Haven't been reading your Bible lately? Let me give you a heads up. It's a big rock in here. If you haven't been praying to God lately, it's a big rock in here. If you haven't been sharing your faith with anyone else, it's one of the biggest rocks in here. It has to go in first, or you are not living the life that is truly life. Are we spending our time doing what we want to do, or are we living a life that is truly life? Let's pray. Father, I pray for your blessing, not that we would have more, but that we would understand what we already have. And that we would acknowledge that you have given these tremendous gifts, not just for us, but for the people around us. And that you have an abundance that should spill over from our lives into the lives of people around us. It's an abundance, not necessarily of money, but of love, of uh, compassion, of hope. We could could characterize that many ways. Lord, you have blessed us to abundance. And you want that blessing to be a blessing to the people around us. Uh, be with us today, Lord, and through this week. We're grateful for Thanksgiving Day that we get to open up to the community, this, this building, and, and uh, just a time of fellowship for people that are, are hurting, people that are maybe even hopeless at this point, people that are lonely. But may we also do that really hard work of examining our own lives, evaluating the use of time and resources and abilities and opportunities. Help us, Lord, 
to dump out uh, all that busyness of our lives and to start with the big stuff first. The things that matter to your heart most. In Jesus' name, amen.